Merry Christmas scripture first listeners and supporters of Luther House. We hope and pray that the Christmas story of Christ's coming into the world and into our lives with mercy and new life brings joy and hope to you today and in the days to come. As we come to a close of the year, we want to express our gratitude for, to all of you who've been listening to our Scripture First podcasts. As we close out this year, we are celebrating a challenge grant we've been given to support the upcoming year's podcast. A generous donor has offered to sponsor up to eight podcasts and hopes that people would match this challenge. Please consider making a year-end donation to Luther House to sponsor one podcast, a month's worth of podcast, or even a year. In addition, consider helping us with other facets of our mission by making a tax-deductible contribution to the Lutheran Leadership Foundation. If you would like to sponsor a podcast, please contact our co-director, Sarah Stenson, at sstenson at augie.edu. Or, if you want to make a general contribution, please contact us through the Luther House website or click on the donate button on our website, lutherhouseofstudy.org. Thank you for listening and thank you for supporting us as we provide this service for all who have ears to hear. We would like to say a special thank you to Trinity Lutheran Church in Halleck, Minnesota for sponsoring this week's episode in honor of the 25th anniversary of the ordination of Pastor Dan Osterkamp. It made something happen, right? And so this is the understanding that Luke has is God speaks and it happens. We've talked about this many times before. It makes new. So now that this word of God is inherent to John and who he is, boom, he is going to go out and start making things happen through his preaching. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. This week, we're near the beginning of the Gospel of Luke with Dr. Chris Krogan to talk about the introduction of John the Baptist. Specifically, we talk about why God gave his word to John in the wilderness, not to the powerful political actors not to the religious elite, not in the temple, but to John in the wilderness. Then Dr. Krogan teaches us that Advent is not a time for preparation for Jesus to come, but a time to remember that he came. I'm looking forward for you to listen in on our conversation with Dr. Chris Krogan. But first, here's Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region Iterea and Trachonitis, and Licinius, ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the regions around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. And now on to this week's conversation. 
Welcome back to Scripture First. We have Dr. Chris Krogan with us this week. Thank you for being Thank here, you. Dr. Krogan. Yep. So we are in the uh, third chapter of Luke uh, at the very beginning. And the very beginning of the third chapter has a list of political names. It has a list of uh, religious names. And it's yep. uh, beginning to set the stage. So before we get uh, so far into the text, can we just say maybe a couple words about these first uh, two verses? Two verses, yeah, because you're going to have a lot of names that um, the pastor is going to have to go back in and try to remember how it is they pronounce them. Yeah. And so there's just a whole list there. I feel you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there's a whole list there. And um, so why would Luke have taken a full, very long verse and perhaps partly a second that he talks about a couple of religious leaders there as well? Why would he do that? Well, there's a couple of things. Luke is in the first uh, opening of his uh, gospel. He says, I'm trying to lay out a historical narrative for you. That's the, the first verses of Luke chapter one. So we can attribute some of this to Luke trying to just give you some historical context. That That's probably part of it. Mm -hmm. But I think there's something even more significant of what he's doing here and that he goes down what we call the political food chain from the emperor and then down the line of ranks, mm -hmm. emperor and then Pontius Pilate, governor, Herod, Judea. So it's basically like going from Okay, here's the big guy. Here's the lieutenant under him. Here's the lieutenant under the lieutenant. Blah blah blah. Yeah. So that's important. He's just laying this out, perhaps historically, but I think more importantly, here's the ranking, the who's who in government of the time. And then verse two, he goes the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas. Okay, so it's not just the political elites; it's the religious elites. Mm -hmm. And so Luke is setting this up of. These are the big players, the big fish. And then the very next words at the end of verse two, but the word of God came not to them. It doesn't say that, but this is essentially what it's implying, came to John, not one of the special people, which is important. Who is John? He's out in the middle of the wilderness. Mm -hmm. He's the son of Zechariah, who's an old, you know, man. Mm -hmm. and he, he, Zechariah is in, in great high esteem. He was part of the priesthood of Aaron and the line of Aaron, um, but they're out in the wilderness. So the word of God comes unexpectedly to someone who is not in the higher ranks. Mm -hmm. So when you said, can you talk a little more about Zechariah? Yeah. Um, when you said he's part of the priesthood or yep. the family of, of, of Aaron, yep. and, um, how does that not make him you know, part of the, the religious elite. Well, he, he's not one of the high rank. He's not part of the high priest. He's not one of the high rankings. That, and and Zechariah is an interesting story because, so he's elderly priest. So he's had his, he's seen his better days, but also part of the elderly part of him is he and Elizabeth, his wife, mm -hmm. were um, barren until this event. And they were kind of like Abraham and Sarah. They wanted a child. They wanted a child. And then God the, the angel of the Lord came and said, yes, Elizabeth, yes, Zechariah, you are going to have a child. And that word gave, came to Zechariah. Mm -hmm. And Zechariah, I thought this was kind of funny. If you go back and read chapter one, Zechariah then is silenced by the angel and has to go back and explain to Elizabeth, we're going to have a baby without telling her we're going to have a baby. I don't know if he wrote it out or what, but somehow <laughs> he had to say, we got to have a baby. So that was the miracle, is that it was the Word of God that brought about conception for them, which is a cool thing because God actually spoke 
mm-hmm. into this making a baby. And that's what makes John really special. Then Elizabeth is with child. And then Mary shows up also with child. And you'll hear about this and leaps in Mary's womb. We'll do that in a couple of weeks when we do the Magnificat, mm-hmm. um, all that stuff. So that's part of the cool stuff that, unfortunately, in Advent, you're jumping into Luke 3, mm-hmm. and you don't have 1 and 2 coming up in here. Mm-hmm. We'll get back to, um, actually, the stuff with Mary and, and the Magnificat and stuff in a couple of weeks. But. So uh, you've kind of already talked about this sort of power mm-hmm. distinction. Uh, John is clearly not uh, of political power, or of even uh, religious power in the sense of the, the high priesthood. Yep. Uh, and then it seems as if Luke uh, continues to make this point too, as he places uh, John in the wilderness too. So outside yeah. the temple, outside of the places where one would think. That the word of the Lord is going to make a big impact, but yeah. it's actually out amongst the people outside of the Holy of Holies because that's where everybody's expecting stuff is in, in where we are to worship God, but actually it goes out into the wilderness, which is often the place where God's word gets revealed to, especially that's where prophets are called. And this word of God coming to John is identical to what happened with Jeremiah. It's almost the exact same words. If you take the, if you take the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, and you put those words from Jeremiah right up identical words that you find in Luke used here in the Greek. And so it's the same word of God came to, and it was the same as Jeremiah, just to kind of echo, he's a prophet Mm -hmm. and he's got something special. And that's part of the wilderness too. And then in verse three, this is when we kind of start digging in a little bit deeper. It says, he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance. Yep. So before we start talking about repentance, because I want to talk about that a little bit, um, the first part about he went into the region around the Jordan, why did he do that not specifically in? Yep. So he's he's following the line of the prophets. And so we've talked about this in the past and, and we'll probably hit it again in other places. So there's this period in between the last prophet and Jesus, and John ends up being the last prophet. And remember, we've talked about in the Old Testament, all the Old Testament saying, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. That is, Jesus is coming. Mm -hmm. That's the narrative of the Old Testament. Jesus shows up and he's here. Mm -hmm. John is the bridge between those two things. So what Luke, and this is important because Luke will go back in all the Old Testament texts and say... This is what we were saying. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Mm-hmm. And so Luke Acts has tons of references to the Old Testament scriptures that say, see, this is what the Old Testament was telling us. John is that bridge. And so he's going around preaching the Old Testament. That is to say, the, the Messiah is coming. In fact, really soon. He's on, prepare. And this is what we're going to get in the rest of this. But he's, in order for this preparation, he's going to preach what it is that the Messiah will preach, proclaiming a baptism of repentance. So he's going around doing that. And that's, I think, if you're someone who's in this region, who's hearing John say this, it's a word from God. I mean, that's what we're getting before this. That's what dubs him as a prophet. The word of God came to John and he had to go around all the region proclaiming that same word. Yeah, exactly. Which does the preparation. And yeah. that's the key here. It's is God's word doing it. It's God being put. And so, again, if we were to go back and have read chapters one and two of Luke, 
we'll see that the, when the word of God came to um, Zechariah and when the word of God came to Mary, it made something happen, right? And so this is the understanding that Luke has is God speaks and it happens. We've talked about this many times before. It makes new. So now that this word of God is inherent to John and who he is, boom, he is going to go out and start making things happen through his preaching. Hmm. Okay. Is, go ahead. So, I, sorry, I just want to talk a little bit more about the specific word repentance, yep. if that's okay. Because I know we... It's a word we've talked about time and time and time again, but I feel like we can never talk about it enough just because exactly. people misinterpret it a lot. Yep. Um, it's very controversial. Yep. And it also, um, again, I, I guess people just misinterpret it on and who, what it does to who, et cetera. So yep. can you talk about that when it says proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins? Yep. So it's really helpful here to help us remember by... When somebody proclaims something to you, their words are information that shape the way you think or um, see the world. Okay, so like for instance, if you're hearing a, a history, mm-hmm. all of a sudden that history gives you a context of what the world was like, and now you have a different worldview. So that's what happens when a word comes from the outside. Is it's it, it impacts the way you understand things. So when John is proclaiming, go ahead, Adam, you're going to well, say. I was going to say that this is why when daylight savings time hit, I told my one-year-old daughter that in this house, we don't believe in daylight savings time because <laughs> right? I wanted to shape her worldview. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right. so, 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 but you see, this is very important is that a proclamation comes before the repentance, so to speak, because what's happening, the proclaiming is a word from the outside baptism, proclaiming a baptism. You don't baptize yourself. Again, that's something done to you. Mm -hmm. So there's two things done to you, which means the third, which is called repentance, is what's done to you. So this is what metanoia is, and it's called having your mind changed. And so that's what repentance is. This is, and we've talked about this before, I'm sure, but this is key. In Latin, it's poententium which is um, active, that is to say, I, potentium, okay? That I is, change, I sure. do it. I do it, sure. In Greek, it's, it's done to me, metanoia. My mind gets changed. And if you just think about it logically again, you don't ever, a lot of people say, change your mind. <laughs> well, you actually don't. You have to have something come in and influence you that changes your mind. Even be open to somebody else's thoughts. That's not even possible either. Because the thoughts the, have to get there somehow. Yeah, yeah. And, and then all of a sudden they, they're, so just think about it. A jury comes in, mm-hmm. you don't change their mind, you influence their verdict. Yeah. So you just think about it. That's just, it's silly. So that's the same thing with being repented mm-hmm. is it's done to you. So that's what's going on here. What, it almost assumes a, a level of like neutrality that you could repent on your own. Exactly. Yeah. That you I have, mean, that sin and the death and devil and all these things aren't at play to actually holding you from this. Exactly. And, but this understanding of, of repentance is key to what we're going to get here in Isaiah when we start talking about as it was written in Isaiah. Because if you understand repentance as something done to you, being repented, it changes the way one hears Isaiah. It also changes what Advent is all about. 
because what we've continued to teach about Advent here is Advent is not a time for preparation. Advent is a remembrance that he came and people prepared. He's coming, he's coming. But we don't prepare for he's coming, he's coming anymore. He came. Now we just repeat what he did so that we know what happened when he came. Yeah, you're not preparing for what you're going to do. You're recognizing what has been done to you. Exactly. Yep. Okay, so before we move on, I'm going to start at the beginning of three and kind of read that a little bit with this new found done to you in mind. Yep. Um, He went into into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, Mm -hmm. as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and so, and the other piece is forgiveness. So again, you can't, you can't make somebody forgive you. So that's, again, it's done to you. So all these things are passive. That is to mm-hmm. say, you're not the main actor in this. Yep. So then, as it is written, the prophet Isaiah, again, this is um, Luke taking Old Testament text and says, hey, you know, you guys, we, we, you learned this years ago. This is what we've been saying all this year. As it is written, the prophet Isaiah, and then he goes into Isaiah 40. And he starts, though, interestingly enough, with verse 3. But we were talking before we started this podcast that it's really helpful, actually, to read the couple of verses prior to this in order to understand verse 3. So I guess we have it here. You, One of you want to read the first couple of verses in Mason? 40? I, I got you. Oh, come on. <laughs> comfort, oh, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to hear, cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid that she has received from the Lord's hand, double for all her sins. Yeah. So this is really important because what a lot of people think in preparation, especially in Advent, but they even do the same thing in Lent, is that they're supposed to clean up their act. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. Right? Mm -hmm. That's literally what people think Advent's for. Mm-hmm. You have He's, a really pretty voice. Well, that's you're the first to ever say that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what they're thinking is preparation, is not to get a coal or sticks in your, in your stocking, right? Mm-hmm. So this is not at all what's happening because the first two verses are comfort, comfort, oh my people. There's a lot of people that are scared of the elf on the shelf, right? Mm-hmm. If it's all the law. The elf on the shelf is the law. Mm-hmm. That's why people put it up there is they want people to act. Always watching. Exactly. That's <laughs> not what comfort comfort is. Comfort comfort is gift, peace, mm-hmm. relax. God's comforting you, not saying look out, watch out, clean up your act. So Isaiah 40 is about mercy. Mm-hmm. Comfort, comfort, oh my people, speak tenderly Jerusalem, cry to her that she has served her term, her penalty is paid. There's Mm -hmm. no more sin. She has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. In other words, double the mercy. This is the comforting word, is forgiveness, which is why John's repentance for the forgiveness of your sin. So you don't repent in order to get your sins forgiven. Forgiveness causes this to happen. And so the first two verses of Isaiah are important to hear before you get to the rest of it, which is a voice cries out, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. What is the preparation? The preparation isn't going to be in the law at this point in time. It's going to be God's work of mercy is preparing the way of the Lord, which mm-hmm. is what John's here to do, to start 
taking away sin through the cry of repentance and forgiveness, not telling people, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, clean it up, better watch out, better not cry, those kind of things. And that's the amazing part of scripture is when you actually are reading through the reference that Luke is talking about here, the first two verses of Isaiah 40, it's comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. She has served her term. Exactly. She has received from the Lord's hand. Everything's in past tense. Yeah. Things that have happened to you. Yeah. If there, once you like see that this is the way to read scripture, yep. that this is all happening to you, you're not sitting here trying to prepare during Advent, it completely flips everything. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it, it kind of goes along with the gospel. It's hard to comprehend at first because you don't have the control. Yeah. <laughs> But it, it, I mean, there's the 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 uh, continuity too that Luke's bringing in. That yeah, he's bringing in Isaiah. He's showing that this is the promise that it's always been there, has been there since the garden, and has right. been weaving its way throughout all of Scripture. And then finally, I mean, it's uh, it's it's cool. It's it's, it's, yeah, the, it's cool. the puzzle. The, the, the puzzle <laughs> falls yeah. into place. Yeah, you know, there's just all these puzzle pieces. But when it's you start to see it uh, as it was told, but and that. But that's the wonderful thing about Scripture, which is why we call it, this is the gospel of Luke, and we've talked about this before, I'm sure, euangelion, which means good news. News is always new. So if Israel wasn't remembering that this was what the Old Testament's happening, and John comes along, and all these other, Jesus comes along, and Paul comes along, and says, this is what, they're just preaching news, which it should strike each of us new. Yeah. So even this season of Advent, if this strikes you new that I don't have to prepare for Jesus, good. Mm-hmm. The gospel landed. Not, mm-hmm. oh, you should have learned mm-hmm. this a long time ago. No, this is why we're preaching it again mm-hmm. each year. The good news is always new. So how do we, uh, this fifth verse, how do we hear then every valley shall be filled, every mountain and every hill uh, shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough way is made smooth. smooth. How do we hear that then uh, in light of Christ or what uh, God is doing in Christ? Yeah, so you can think of this as as, um, the way I like to think of it is in our area, um, especially where there's a lot of glacial erratics, that is to say the glaciers kind of stopped in places down here and left a lot of rocks in the fields. Yeah. Right? So we're picking picking rock. (laughs) Good definition. Yeah, we're picking rock. (laughs) We're making it smooth. We're getting rid of all, and the rock being sin. The rock being unbelief. That's backbreaking work. It is. And it but it's God's work. Yeah. It's not ours. We're not the one picking rock. God is the one. So the, why do we think God why do we know God is the one? Because it was in Isaiah forty one and two, God's speaking and and John's preaching and doing this rock picking that is removing sin. So the way we it, the way the Lord's path is made straight is by all God's doing through mercy. So we're not um huddling up and trying to figure it out and do our own thing and all that kind of stuff. And then to conclude, it says, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Right. And so this is now he's here. It's coming up to Jesus shows up pretty soon. So all flesh, that is all flesh sees that Jesus, whose name is going to be gift and mercy, not new Moses, Jesus is going to come, and this is what was promised to Adam and Eve in the garden, that the serpent's head will be crushed by Jesus. This is what was promised to Abraham under a starry night, that all nations, and this is the key, 
to Abraham's, it's all nations, is the, the Hebrew word is goyim. Goyim isn't Israel. Goyim mm-hmm. is everybody outside of Israel, yeah. as well as all nations. It doesn't have to be Jewish. All flesh, same words. Everybody's going to see that Christ is mercy. Now, the piece about this is not everybody believes he's mercy, which is what the rest of Luke's going to start to lay out. And on that note, we've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you to Dr. Chris Krogan for teaching us that it's God that's making things smooth. He's the one removing the rocks and removing sin. Advent is not a preparation for Jesus to come. It's a remembrance that he already came. You're not preparing what you're going to do. You're recognizing what's been done for you. As you heard at the beginning of the episode, a generous donor is willing to match sponsorships for up to eight podcast episodes. If you or your congregation is interested in helping Luther House of Study utilize these matching funds, please send our co-director, Sarah Stenson, an email at sstenson at augie.edu. That's S-S-T-E-N-S-O-N at A-U-G-I-E dot E-D-U. You can find her email in the show notes or find more information about supporting Luther House of Study at lutherhouseofstudy.org. Thanks again for joining us this week. Remember, don't prepare. We'll see you next time on Scripture First.